On this episode, we talk challenges and opportunities presented through mergers and acquisitions. We look at it through both the purchasing company as well as those being acquired. All that and more on this episode of AV Social. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Social, episode 40, Acquisition Sandwich. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Harman International. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of AV Social here on avnation.tv. On this episode of AV Social, we're going to look at some of the challenges and opportunities presented through mergers and acquisitions. We'll look at it through both the eyes of the purchasing company as well as those being acquired. And uh, joining me today, as usual, is my lovely co-host, Kelly Perkins. Hi, Kelly. Hello, everyone. And take it away, Kelly. Introduce our guests. Awesome. Thank you, Don. We have Karen Schmidt from LeGrand AV, Director of Commercial Marketing, Haley Klein from PSNI, Director of Marketing, and yet another director of marketing, Sarah Reisner from Conference Technologies. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So mergers and acquisitions have been big news in the AV industry over the past, say, five years, really. It's sort of picked up. Um, seems like you can't open an industry magazine or look at a podcast or even look at your Twitter feed these days without hearing about somebody else who got bought or did some buy-in. So um, what do you think is the most important thing to communicate to your clients through the process once a merger or an acquisition has been announced? Um, let's just start with uh, Haley. What do, you, what do you think if, if they've announced a merger or an acquisition? Yeah, I think it's really important to start off by telling them how it benefits them, um, why these changes are being made, never focusing on maybe the growth. The growth opportunity is going to be the biggest thing, and here's how it's going to help you and your customer experience. Um, I think customers have a very low leniency towards any lapse in that, in that during that whole merger and acquisition. I think that if the customer experience isn't flawless throughout the entire process, you're, you could very possibly lose business. So therefore just communicating, here's why we're doing it. Here's how it's going to benefit you. Um, and here's the new advantages that we're going to bring to you is the very first thing to bring to their attention. Absolutely. It can be scary when you hear that your partner, whether it's a vendor partner or an integrator partner is merging, buying mm -hmm. or being bought, which, you know, you never know what's going to happen then. Uh, Karen, same question. What, what, what do you see as sort of the most important thing um, you know, as, as the director of marketing to communicate when something like this is going on? Um, I agree with Haley. I just, I think um, something that coming from one of the manufacturers that's gone through a lot of these, a lot of times you actually can't say a lot. So depending on where you are in the acquisition, it may have been announced, but it may actually not have been closed yet. So a lot of times people within that company also have very limited information about what's happening. Um, and so I think along with what Haley's saying, it's just really important to be as clear and consistent about what you can say. So you may not be able to tell them exactly what's going to happen, but try to, try to give them as much as you can and just be really consistent about that because having an inconsistent message just is sort of going to sow even more anxiety about what, what might be coming down the road. Right, right, definitely. 
Um, Sarah, how about you? What, what are, what's your take on this? Yes, well, I absolutely echo their sentiments. But one thing I also want to emphasize is for us, it's getting that alignment with those you've acquired because they're generally the ones in the field telling that story. So it's getting um, them very um, aligned with our company, our culture, our strategic planning, helping them understand things are, are really, it's, it's just more resources around that new company and having them get that message directly is really effective. Yeah, yeah, I guess it would be kind of important getting everybody on the same page with the same messaging and kind of the same, whether or not people are all on board with the process sometimes, <laughs> uh, getting that, that uh, you know, as, as a former director of marketing, getting that consistent, clear message that we've defined as a company, I think, is kind of more important than letting them wing it, oh, these guys bought us, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, that's, that's a good point, too, that you bring up, Sarah, is that getting the people on the front lines to understand that message as well. I think, I think it, coming from, you know, you know working for an in, integrator before, it's, you kind of forget about those, you know, the technicians and the service people and the people that are actually out there. So communicating that clear and concise to those guys is really important. That's a good mm -hmm. point. And, and, and it's probably a scary thing to them as well because, you know, you just got bought or you're buying someone new, is, is your job safe? Is your, you know, those sorts of things. So I'm sure there's a lot of anxiety internally as well as externally, um, which kind of brings us to the next question. Uh, what are some of the challenges that are faced from the company that's being purchased? And we're going to ask the same thing about the purchasing company in a minute, but, you know, what, what, what do you see as some of the, some of the things aside from fear <laughs> of, of, of the company that's being purchased and getting that message out? Um, Karen, let's start with you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think actually just the, the nervousness factor, the anxiety of what's, what's going to happen to me, um, but you don't want to project that out. <laughs> so there's this, you know, everyone wants to make sure their customers feel good, but while they're internally wondering what is actually going to happen to them. So again, trying to make sure everybody feels at least comfortable and understands as much as they can what's going on and that they have a clear message that they can all push out to customers about what's going to happen to them and that they feel actually confident in what they're saying. Like you just, you don't want them to just be paying lip service to something that they told. Like you want to make sure people actually understand what's going on, that you've been as open with them as you can. Right. Right. That's Sarah? interesting too. Be oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say it's interesting because you've been on both sides. You've actually been purchased yeah. and you've purchased. Yeah, and in this particular one, we call it sort of like with this Legrand acquisition, like an acquisition sandwich, um, because we got required by Legrand, but then Middle Atlantic has been pulled into our division, and they were previously being um, run as an independent brand, even though they were owned by Legrand. So like while we're acquiring, we're being acquired, and so it's it's just like a really weird mashup of being wow. acquired and acquiring at the same time. <laughs> Wow. all the challenges in one time but sorry side note <laughs> yeah no, it, so, it's interesting because you do ha I have had both sides of it so it's right right yeah oh, we'll be coming back to you then in a minute for the other side <laughs> <laughs> um Sarah you know I'm not sure your history have you been acquired or the acquirer yes. or the acquiree but uh you know what do you see as the as the biggest challenges as the acquiree if you've yes, been. so I actually have been on both sides of that table. And when we um, were acquired, it was a family business. It was something that was built by my great-grandfather. So it was a very personal feeling being acquired. So I'm able to, though, now, as we make these acquisitions, say to these folks, hey, I've been in your seat. 
I know this feels scary. I know this is unknown. I know we have trust to build, but I'm here to tell you, we've done this before. We have your interests at heart. We're not here to destroy what you've built because we absolutely want them to feel welcome. We learn from each other in a great way. And it's just really the biggest struggle is learning those new systems and people, learning um, the new culture, but um, really it is just feeling welcome and we absolutely create that environment. Right. Yeah. And, and, I, oh, go ahead, Haley. Sorry, I was just going to say, um, I, I think that Sarah brings up such a good point with the cultural aspect of things. Um, I haven't gone through the acquisition myself, but I see a lot of my members um, from PSNI going through it. Um, it's interesting how roles change with that. Um, I actually know one of our one of the companies that we represent, um, who acquires a lot of other companies, actually had a big a marketing person who was very high up in their marketing role, and her her shift turned into this like kind of liaison between all the companies that they were acquiring, and her role turned into kind of their like go to person when they like just needed somebody to talk to and understand like the main brand. Um, she did all the onboarding for them. She did, she was just kind of the company advocate and she really became this person who everybody kind of started to turn to. So her role really shifted from this like traditional marketing role into just transitioning people um, into their new culture and helping them really feel part of the family. And so I think it's really important to have somebody, you know, you see those roles change um, in a merger and acquisition. And I think that challenge of, you know, are they going to be a cultural fit having a person in place like that is very important. Merger want, therapist. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think um, it's interesting that what you're talking about is because like we have discussed this recently too, is that you talk about how you onboard people, but like you're literally onboarding teams together. Yes. And a lot of people don't look at it that way. It's just like, oh, we're going to put you into our culture and that's not going to work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so people have their own cultures and that's fine. Mm -hmm. You can keep that and honor it and be respectful of each other. But like, you do have to actually onboard teams together and make that a process. Right. And, and that's one thing that also that Sarah brought up um, is not just the teams and the culture, which of course is marketing folks. That's what we're most concerned about, but there's a lot more to it. Uh, Sarah, you mentioned processes. And, um, you know, I am no longer an integrator. I work for a very large company now. And we do lots of merging and acquiring of companies and divisions and, and realigning and things. And the biggest thing I've seen just in the short time I've been here is, is getting all of the processes and the systems merged, you know, they're still trying to merge ERP systems from a, two mergers ago and we're bringing in new companies and, you know, like there, there's these big internal, you know, we have to get this initiative to get these merged and then we have to see what they're using and is that a better fit for the corporate, you know, it's, it's a whole lot that you have to think about. And, you know, obviously as marketing people, it's not necessarily us thinking about it, but as a company it is. So, you know, what are the challenges besides you know, just the people, the therapy aspect, the culture aspect, what do you see as the biggest challenges when you're the company doing the purchase? Um, let's start with Sarah this time, since you brought up the oh, whole sure. process thing. <laughs> yeah, well, um, we have a really good group in place that has a great outline for the acquisitions where we have a checklist, we know who's doing what, so we're very aligned and we've prepared in advance. So it's really getting that organized, getting everyone together and, and rolling. Sometimes you have to move really quickly. Sometimes, you know, it's a longer conversation. So it's having that preparation and meeting that opportunity. Um, 
that's the biggest stuff. And then it is that building trust. That's the biggest foundation. Once you have made that acquisition to communicate, 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 and know that um, it's, it's a new partnership. Right. Uh, Haley, Karen, jump in, whichever one of you wants to go next. I'll leave it up to you. Yeah, I think um, there's, there's a, a balance to, you know, you have to find a balance between taking actions and making sure that people understand that there's things happening and that they're not in the dark because of the, they will fill that in if you don't communicate like you're saying. Um, but actually taking the time to assess things thoughtfully and not making half-baked decisions and just implementing them so that people see something happening um, and balancing that with actually doing things that your customers will see as positive momentum forward and that people within the organization will feel that they're being listened to and that you know decisions are being made in everyone's best interest. So. Um, that, I mean, that's something that we've had to figure out is sort of like, how do you keep things moving, but like at a good pace that people feel comfortable with it, not so slow that everyone's like scared and filling in gaps um, and not so fast that everyone feels like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, mm -hmm. You're just pulling these decisions out of nowhere and not actually taking time to be thoughtful about it. Haley, anything to add? Yeah, great. I mean, I hate to keep saying it, but it really comes down to building the trust with all the people that are coming in. Um, from there, you can do things like bringing in analytical teams or what have you to understand um, where these two companies are overlapping or where the gaps are. You can start from there. Um, and then um, that really kind of develops the story that you can tell, and it kind of helps you to understand the gaps that you need to fill. So it, it really, the people are truly the asset when you're bringing in the two companies. And so it's just really important to establish that trust and, and that culture and bring everything together effectively as possible. Right, right. So, oh, go ahead, Kelly, you look like- Oh, I was asking. just gonna say, I like having gone through um, like a ERP change at, uh, when I worked at AVI Systems, it was like, I just, I can't even, I give so much kudos to people that can actually um, do mergers and acquisitions well when it comes to the process piece because it's just I mean it was it was tough it was it was a huge challenge and I just think about I was um, talking to one of our NSDA members a couple weeks ago and they've acquired not only just other companies in our industry but they've acquired companies outside of our industry so like IT companies and just diversifying their portfolio so it's, I can't even imagine the processes that they have to change and implement between all of these other companies. So again, just a side note, but I'd say yeah, processes and culture because a, a, AV, I've said it for years, we're a weird little niche industry, not quite blue collar, not quite white. And <laughs> then you bring in these IT guys that are very white collar corporate and you bring in these construction guys that are, yeah. you know, very hard hat. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm sure a massive challenge. Um, so, you know, we've said building trusts, facing these sort of procedural challenges and, and, you know, communicating, communicating, communicating. What sort of marketing is the best to put into place during that first year of or right after the merger? What, 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 like, what is your top message that you want to try to get out as the marketing director in that time? Um, let's start with Haley. Um, yeah, so really it's two things, right? So it's internal and external um, marketing. We're so excited to get the message out. Um, it kind of goes back to everything we said before, though. Having a clear, repeatable, true message that anybody in your company can say is going to be very first tier and being as honest and upfront about that as possible. Um, creating advocates within the company to bring that down into every department. Um, 
again, there's things like little sales, you know, I did some reading up, people do, they literally will make elevator pitches of here's what you can say to the customer, um, just so that people feel like they know what's going to happen. Um, so really, it's kind of the internal process and the internal marketing, and then it goes to external and what's this really cool story we want to tell. It kind of goes back to what I said, once you, can, once you can identify your culture, the other company's culture, and that overlying culture that you're trying to get to, you have a story you're able to start talking about. Um, so identifying those, seeing where the overlaps are, that's your story moving forward to the external, to the external people, the clients. <laughs> Great. Karen? Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what I, do you think? I, I agree. There is absolutely the internal marketing aspect of things. And then the framework building of what does it actually look like? Because some people, acquisitions can be very different, right? You can, you can roll that company in and, and that brand is gone. You can go and market as a, as a house of brands. Maybe you've got new functionality, new skill sets, new areas that you serve. You know, the benefit can be vastly different depending on what type of merger and acquisition we're talking about here. So what does that actually look like? Are you keeping the brands? Um, is one of them rolling into the other one? Like what's actually happening? Build that story that you can communicate out, have those small wins that you can use to communicate progress. Because as we talked about on the ERP systems and things, like normally as marketers, it's like, yeah, you're not really getting involved in that. But at the same time, it, so much of marketing is digital now. And so much of that is based on systems that are based on ERP systems. So we do really care about how fast they're going to get that rolled together. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, when that system's done, now you can have a single PO or you can see things on the website or whatever that experience improvement tends to be, but that's going to be a long ways out, right? So even if you know you're going to be able to do that, um, you want to find the small wins to communicate what the progress is um, in the interim. So, I mean, actually in this last one with us, the, the biggest thing was one of the new product things, which was not which seems backwards because product development can be a long time, but we were able to find ways to take some parts of Chief and parts of Bill Atlantic and put them together in like a, hey, look what we can do for you guys going forward. Like see how this is going to benefit you and, and be able to communicate some of these small wins while you're working on, you know, ERP systems and things that are going to take a year. Right. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what Gata, you know, even it's just a little like preview, like what is the benefit for me? Right, right. Uh, at the end of the day, we all care about what's in it for me, right? Yeah. Sarah, what do you think is your, is your top message or messages for the first year of uh, the merger? Uh, well, the message, it, it's like, like everyone has said, it's about that trust. But certainly, we've found that each acquisition is different. And so, the pace of some of that communication is different. The way we share out the brand, that branding is pretty key as well. Um, we want to make sure even all the way through to our accounting department that those invoices that are going to those new clients, if you will, that, that you know, everything in that experience throughout the whole, you know, transaction is something that they understand, something that they know we're here to help with. We're maybe a bigger company, but we're very accessible and very flexible. We honor um, kind of, you know, some of those older methods to just help fold them in. We're not here to say here, this is our terms and conditions. Here's how we operate. Here's how you must be our customer. That's really not how we approach uh, that situation. So we're, we're flexible there. We, we know it's a transition. We know some are faster than others um, in that transition. But then one thing we really, really get excited about is our customer experience feedback. 
when we finally hit the board with a new office, we really celebrate what that feedback is and absolutely dive in to, to learn how that transition's going. So that's a big part of, of making sure that first year is going well. Great. Um, well, since Sarah brought it up, uh, talking about, um, you know, bringing together the different policies and, and not coming in and saying, this is how we're going to do things from now on, you know, um, you know, just laying it out as a list, but rather truly merging. How do you bring it together the different marketing and communication departments or processes or, 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 or policies like that? Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's lawyers and, and C-level people that sit around and, and have checklists and things for that. But as the marketing folks, you know, how do you integrate or merge the departments when you have an acquisition like this? Um, Sarah, we'll start with you since sure. you brought it up. Uh, well, typically the companies we're acquiring don't have a marketing department, which is pretty interesting. Um, they've usually got a person who handles some social or a person who handles their website. So really it's getting those key contacts lined up with us, seeing if they like that job. Some of them are like, no, I didn't want to do this. So I want to be in the field. So, so it's really, but we have great remote teams. So I'm actually in Cedar Rapids. Much of my team is in St. Louis. Um, I've got a great gal in Little Rock and another one in Springfield. So we're, we're kind of spread out and, um, that works well and we because of that emphasize that communication we have our daily huddles we have a really good rhythm and so it's just really just keeping keeping that team component and then bringing in new folks who fit that and want to be a part of that team so we're good at working remotely so it's it's a good good way to operate excellent uh, Karen how about you what, you know how do, how do you bring together the different marketing and communications folks and, 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 and get them working as, as one. Yeah. Uh, well, I think one of the biggest things is just really have an open mind. Um, Sarah's talking about with working remotely that, that adds a, a whole other extra level of challenges that when you don't have, you know, water cooler conversations and just things that sort of make someone a little bit more personal in their interactions um, when you're dealing with, email and, and other sort of nonverbal, non-visual communications, you lose a lot. Um, and so then people tend to not always assume the positive as much when they're dealing with people in just emails or chats. Um, so lots of open communication, lots of calls, lots of video calls. Um, yeah. Actually look at people like people. Um, and we talk about, we use the phrase, um, help me understand. So it's like assume good intentions, right? Not like, why the heck would you do it that way? Like, help me understand why you decided to work that way or do this that way. Um, and just try to be a little bit more inquisitive and curious about how people work um, and why they made decisions that they did instead of just like, well, I don't really know why you made that decision. We do it this way, so that's how it's going to be. Um, just be open and be willing to learn from each other. Because if you can take the strengths of both the teams, like, that's a, that can be a huge win for everybody, right? Like, do take what everybody does well and do that together. Um, and then you can make huge leapfrogs in, in knowledge and learning if you're willing to, to learn from each other. Did you find a lot of, um, like, what is the word? Like, like when you guys were merging with um, LeGrand and, and Middle Atlantic and all of these companies, did you, did you find it there were people, like, holding everything really tightly because they were nervous about losing their jobs or Yeah, I mean, that, that happens. 
Yeah. That's happened at, in every one of these that I've been part of. It's natural human reaction to right. get scared and to think like, well, how can I protect myself in whatever's going to happen? Mm -hmm. um, but that whole trust aspect that we've been talking about over and over, the more yeah. you can build that and say like, look, we've, we don't come in, we make, don't make a bunch of layoffs. Like that's not how we've done things. It's not how we're going to do things. Like let's mm -hmm. learn and show people. Um, I think our leadership has done a really good job of being very open and just constant communications about what decisions they're making and why they're making those decisions. Um, you know, I'm not going to say we have it perfect. We certainly don't. <laughs> We're learning every time. Um, but I think we seem to make steps forward every time we, we go through this process at, at learning how to build that trust earlier and just be more open and communicate more and use the AV tools that we have <laughs> right. to foster more personal interactions with each other and and assume more good intentions because you're seeing them as a person and not this entity that's emailing you that you right. don't even know who they are. That That's some great advice. I'm going to write that. How, help me understand. I'm going, to, I'm going to start using that. So within my team yeah. here, well, be aware, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Haley, how about you? You know, uh, how, how do you bring them together or, or, or foster that sort of sense of team when you're bringing yeah. in completely different communications, marketing, social, right. even business development sometimes gets thrown in or lumped in with us. So Right. Yeah. It's, it's exactly kind of what, to what Karen and Sarah are saying. It's going in with an open mind, um, building a trust before making decisions on anything, um, before evaluating roles or changing positions, um, starting to understand people's strengths, like to Sarah's point, do you like what you're doing? Are you enjoying it? Where do you want to go? Um, really having those conversations and being upfront. And it's kind of your opportunity as an employee to, to make a change if you're ready for one. Um, so, you know, being a voice there and being ready for that, um, really just going in with an open mind and then, um, you know, trying to ultimately bring the company together um, through, you know, through with their strengths. I have another another affiliate or um, integrator member of ours comes to mind, but the two are so opposite in how they they did marketing. And one was a social butterfly, and the other one's very strategic and just ready to go. And it was so interesting how those two really came together. They just did a rebrand of their company, um, and it was so great because this strategic woman got to really show her strength and the social butterfly girl, I call her, but she, she was so good at communicating it in a way that I think the strategic girl never had thought of. And I think it was a true testament to how they were able to start working together and they really combined that. Now that's a case of two people versus a, you know, big group of 10, but again, it's just coming down to starting to understand people's strengths, being open about them and then kind of really allowing them to, to move forward and evaluate from there. Excellent. Excellent. We've had a lot of great uh, talking points today. A lot of great uh, advice from our guests here. Um, real quick in wrapping up, what advice would you give a team or a company that's about to go through the merger and acquisition process? Um, let's just go right down the line and start with Haley since you talked last. Uh, what's your best advice? Give us something. Uh, be patient. Don't be afraid of the unknown. Um, Give it some time, trust leadership, trust that this is ultimately the best thing that could happen for your company and just try to see it as an opportunity rather than something that's scary. Yeah, excellent. Karen? Yeah, I agree. Um, patience, empathy, but use your tools that are available to you. Communicate, 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 um, <laughs> and assume good intentions. And, and communicate too, I think, right? Yeah, one more time. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Excellent. Uh, Sarah, what, what, what do you think? What's your best advice for someone about to go through this? I agree with everything that's been said. And I would say that the other thing is to remember to scale with your soul intact, that these are people that they're, they're, they're experiencing a whole bunch of emotions and uh, that patience component, like Haley mentioned, it's, it's very recommended. You will find it coming together, maybe not as quick as you want, but being patient, being personal. So yes. Excellent. Kelly, anything to add on that since I think you've been through a couple yourself? Yeah, just communicate. Um, like, like you guys have said, I guess at the end of the day, we'll probably all be owned by Samsung and Amazon. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, True. yeah, but I, I, I echo everything you guys have said. I mean, it's, it's totally scary. It's, you know, there's, there's pressure from every angle and it's just, you know, patience is a virtue and, and, and trust your leadership that they, that they know what they're doing. And, and at the end of the day, hopefully they do. And <laughs> it's one of those things too, where it's, you know, you, you, you can't change it. So go in with a positive attitude and, and hopefully it works out for the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some great advice. If you are undergoing a merger acquisition, hopefully you'll watch this and take this message to your leaders or implement it in your own companies. If you've not gone through an merger and acquisition yet, give it a few <laughs> minutes because these days that's the thing that's happening in our industry. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today as well as for our guests for coming on the show. So we'll go around the horn one last time. Let everyone uh, tell us where to find you both in reality and in the interwebs. Uh, <laughs> let's start with Karen. Uh, where can folks find you or Legrand? Right. Legrand at legrandav.com with all the uh, commercial brands. And then you can find me on Twitter at AV underscore Karen S. Perfect. Um, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate your, your perspective from the uh, merger sandwich there. That yeah. you have. <laughs> uh, Sarah, where can folks find you or CTI? You bet. At conferencetech.com and on Twitter at CTIAV. And nothing for you? We just get to talk to you corporately? Well, I don't have Twitter personally. I will be perfectly honest. Um, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> don't have a heart attack. Um, I'm also personally out on LinkedIn, of course. It sounds good. We'll find you one way or other, and we'll definitely look up CTI. Please do. <laughs> and, of course, Haley, uh, you know, a lot of us know where to find you on Twitter, but go ahead and tell us where to find you and where to find PSNI. Yeah, um, psni.org or psni underscore av on Twitter. And you can find me at psni underscore Haley on Twitter as well. Fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you guys so much. And you. Kelly, uh, you know, you're my faithful co-host always here, but where can folks find you if they don't watch us all the time, though they should? Right. Um, <laughs> on Twitter, NSCA underscore Kelly. Um, I'm work for the education foundation for NSEA as well. So you can find me on there as well as anything Ignite related. You can find me there too. So thank you, Dawson. And of course here on avnation.tv and AV social where we love you. <laughs> <laughs> as for myself, I'm Dawn Mead, AV Dawn. I currently work as an end user in the defense and aerospace sector. And that's all I'm legally allowed to say about that. But you can always find me here at avnation.tv, here on AV Social, occasionally cropping up on AV Week, and of course on the Twitters and all the other social things at AV Dawn. 
That's all we have time for today. Thanks so much and have a great day, everyone.